Hello, I'm Rachel Richards and welcome to Teenagers Untangle, the audio hug where we use research by experts and our own experience to discuss everything and anything to do with parenting teenagers. Hi, I'm Susie Asley, mindfulness coach, mindful therapist and musician, a mother of three teenagers. Two of them are twins. As a parenting coach and mother of two teenagers, I've seen the transformative power of getting people together to share ideas and support each other. So here we are. Welcome, pull up a chair and let's begin. Now, an anonymous listener has asked us to discuss underage sex. Uh, it's taken me weeks of research and pondering on the topic because, well, uh, I ended up down a, a gender rabbit hole and it just feels like a big responsibility to get mm. this right. Because I, I think there's a grey area that a lot of parents don't like to talk about, but it's there. Mm, absolutely. Right. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's talk about what we've learned in the few weeks while we've been away doing our Easter <laughs> things. Go on, Susie, you can start. Oh, well, my nugget is a, is a sort of a, a classic I guess mindfulness thing is one of the things I teach and it just played out in my own life as it often does. Um, so I thought I'd share that. Um, my daughter was having, um, she's quite a short fuse sometimes if, if she gets triggered as most of us do, to be honest. Um, and she quickly went up into, um, I didn't agree to something that she wanted to do, um, which she found very annoying. <laughs> and she immediately went out of her, um, what I would call her window of tolerance, which means she went into, you know, we've talked about this a to lot, stress yeah. and she went into her red zone. She got triggered. She she was she was out of she was dysregulated um, and wanted to carry on the conversation and the wise. And, uh, and I said, which I know is annoying because I've had it the other way around, you know, um, let's let's talk about it. Let's let's wait and talk about this because there's not much point in having a conversation about it right now, which is really annoying. And I didn't quite word it like that, but she, she didn't like that. And I, I said, you know, and, and maybe in like, I don't know, 15 minutes, I'll also explain why I don't want to have the conversation right now. Um, and I was just stayed really calm and explained that. So she didn't really have a choice. <laughs> so then she came back down in 10, 15 minutes and, and I explained to her, you know, your brain has has gone into fight, flight, freeze. So you are in survival mode. You are totally dysregulated when that happens. So we can have a conversation then, but it will often end in an argument or in it's really unproductive because you can't think rationally. You're in you're in a in a different state. Um, so it's much better to calm our systems and then we can respond properly. We can have a rational conversation, and we did, and we solved it, and it really wasn't a big deal. And um, she was just like, it was still really annoying. She didn't want to admit that that was quite a good idea <laughs> but it resolved itself really easily what a great thing to do though because actually explaining it clearly like that can give them the information that they can use to then talk to themselves about it yes then and in the future yeah. and to their friends yes. hopefully that's stuff that goes in and then comes out later on yeah it was literally lives. 10 minutes she didn't do anything particular so you could say oh let's do some you know regulation techniques breathing which are really helpful but she, I don't think she did but it's still the time passed and she was regulated fantastic well my nugget was that uh, we had a big family gathering which involved many generations we've got quite a complex family because there are divorces and it's a blended family and as the evening wore on, the will started coming off because <laughs> people had been drinking and they become more honest and they become more definite about what they think. And I found myself putting out fires all over the place with, with, with different people in different rooms talking to them. And I found out some something that would really hadn't occurred to me much before, but that really solidified my thinking, which is that the big problem that every single person had 
in terms of their relationship with their parent was that they just wanted to feel heard, loved and supported. And and that was it. They just wanted their parents to recognize them. Because every time I said, so what, what do you want? That was what came up. So I took from that a big wow moment when I thought, really, as parents, that's the most important thing. Whatever you do, whatever else happens, we need to let our teenagers know that we're there, we're listening, we recognize how they feel and we're there to support them. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. Yeah. We all, as human beings, we want to be it never goes away. seen and accepted and as who we are. It doesn't matter how no. old you are, even, you know, fully grown adults, yeah. they see their parent as that. They don't yes. want a friend. They actually want somebody who will accept yes. them. Because it's the only relationship in the world that's actually like that. Yeah. And we can give that to ourselves if we have a parent that is unable to do that because not all parents are emotionally mature enough to be able to to give that to us. So we can give that. We can parent ourselves. But when as parents now, Mm. we can we can focus on giving that to our kids. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing, quick one before we get on to the big topic, which is uh, we've had loads of reviews. Thank you, guys. We just love it. It makes us so happy. So, Susie, you've got one there. Which ones? Which one are you going to read out? I'm going to read this one out, which is I'm a mum from New Zealand with two teens. I was having mixed feelings about my teen going to parties with alcohol. So I went searching for a podcast about parties and stumbled across Teenagers Untangled. I've now listened to almost every episode. Wow. And have loved each and every one. So relatable, so informative and so entertaining. <laughs> Thank you both for your words of wisdom. Wow. And keep up the great work. Wow, that's a very, very kind. It's really wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. And then this one's from Janneke. This one really struck me because she eloquently summed up what we're trying to achieve in a way that I hadn't actually managed myself. And she said, I spent ages trying to fix my teenager when I stumbled across these podcasts and discovered they don't need fixing, but understanding. So you've helped me understand my daughter and be able to talk to her, handle her and most importantly, help her get through this very difficult time. So being that these podcasts come from presenters who actually have teenagers themselves makes the program real because they really understand what we're going through and are able to advise us firsthand with what they did and how they handled it. I mean, I haven't handled everything, but we certainly oh. try and talk to as many people as we <laughs> yeah. can and, and how we would cope with things. Yeah, right? what a lovely review. Thank it was you lovely. So much. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate them. I always, I find I, I slightly balk at the word wisdom. I, my words of wisdom, <laughs> I don't have any of them. But thank you anyway. <laughs> now, our listener is really struggling to find informative content on how to talk to teenagers about sex below the age of consent. Now, we've already talked about teens at or around the age of consent in episode three. So you can go back and listen to that if you want further information. We also have episodes talking about sexting and porn, which are really important too. Feel free to listen to those. Her just turns a 15-year-old daughter is seeing a boy who is just about to turn 16 and is known to have been highly sexualized from the age of 14 and very impulsive. So this is the scenario she's finding herself in. And she wants us to talk about, you know, this entire topic because she's not getting what she needs online. Right. And I also think a lot of parents don't talk about these topics because they're really difficult because it's a grey area, isn't it? So a little bit of truth. The teenagers are much more sexually active today than they were before the sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s. But they are there are significantly fewer teenage pregnancies than they were even in the 1990s. Yeah, which is great. Which is brilliant. Right. So let's start with a bit of positive news Uh, and let's do a little fun quiz. So, Susie, what is the age of consent? You can in, in the UK. 
the age um, of sexual consent? 16. What is the age of marriage? Well, I thought it was 16 with your parents' consent, but I'm now wondering if that's been reviewed. Uh, I'm not sure about the age of the, the, the parental consent, but it's the age of 18 marriage. Otherwise. Is 18, otherwise. 18, yeah. yeah. And according to the UN, underage marriage violates the rights of children and should be recognised as a form of slavery, mm. just to put it into context. So so they've, put, they've placed it at 18 just because they consider that to be the age when you can consent to something as legally binding as that. Mm. Didn't it used to be 16 in Scotland and that's why everyone mm, ran off to Gretna probably. Green? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and at what age... Below what age are you unable to consent to any sexual relationships legally? I don't know. 16? 13. 13. So you see there's a grey area. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh. 13 to 16. Okay. And is it the same for homosexuals as it is for heterosexuals? Oh, I don't know. Yes, I'd say. It is now. It wasn't for a very long time. Gosh. It was brought, it was 21, then it was brought down. Oh, and yeah, of now course. The same. Yeah. Of course. So we have equality in the UK. Yes. Is it the same in Australia? Is that a question to me? To you. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking no by the question. <laughs> it varies 16 to 17 years, depending okay. on the state. How about America? Again, I don't know, I'd say. Again, no. In the majority of states, it's 16. 16. And in the remaining states, it's either 17 or 18. Now, I know okay. we've got listeners in 116 different countries. So I know it will be different yeah. in your different countries. The point is your teenagers don't necessarily know the laws because even for adults, sometimes it's a bit vague. Yes. So, so it's, important to, yes, it's important <laughs> for us to accept that you can't just assume your kids know. No. Okay. Now, coming back to America, what's really interesting was I came across an organization called unchainedatlast.org uh, on Twitter, funnily enough, and they were saying that only seven US states ban child marriage that I referred to. Wow. Which is under 18. Mm -hmm. Nearly 200,000 children as young as 10 were married in the US between 2000 and 2018. Mostly girls wed to adult men. What? I know. What on earth? I know. So I don't know. <laughs> Wow, I'm stunned. totally stunned. Like, yes, there, 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 there's a woman who's very active on uh, Twitter and there are other women as well um, who is angry about how, the fact how she was married at a young age happen? and had several children. Yes, Gosh. I know. It's hard to... So, so that my point being that for people sitting in the UK, we would often equate that sort of... And, and what it basically is... If you consider below 16 to be... You know, un, you know, that's not the age of consent until 16, mm. then that's sanctioned abuse. Yeah. Really, to be honest. Yeah. So, but, you know, live the way you want to live. But to me, that's, I just find that really horrifying. And, and I, I didn't think it would be in America, but it no, is. And that it is. Is, that in, is that in sort of religious places? Of I don't know. I didn't look that deeply no. into it. I was just a bit gobsmacked. Oh, wow. I thought it was worth mentioning yeah, because the point is there are different laws around the world and there are different attitudes yeah. towards um, this very difficult topic, yeah. which is why it's difficult for us to talk about it, but I'm, we're going to. Yeah. Uh, I did my own poll. On Instagram, I don't know how many of you are following. Well, I do know how many of you are following us, but uh, it's not everybody. And uh, it was fascinating because um, I asked, what's the youngest that you can consent to sex? And most people, the majority said under 16 was too young. The next most popular vote was that um, it really depends on the teen. Yes. Which is very interesting. The next uh, 
third most popular was that 13, under 13 is too young, mm-hmm. which is legally the case. And only one person said that it's different for boys and girls. Interesting. Now, the reason I created the poll was I just wanted to get a sense of where we are as a community. Yeah. And I also wanted to give people who responded to it a chance to think about their own opinions. Because I often find as a parent that I don't really know what I actually think, consciously think about something until I'm made to think about it. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Right? So that's yeah. the, that's a problem as a parent because often you're confronted with something and it's <laughs> it just comes at you from from you know left field because well, you yeah. haven't been you have you just you know i've got a 13 year old kid what so what they yeah. want to have a relationship and have sex well we, we're living right. our daily lives aren't we yes. we don't think about everything we don't think about it so that's why we're here okay yeah. one of the sentences that stood out when i was researching this that i thought was very helpful for us as parents is becoming a sexually healthy adult is a developmental task of adolescence mm-hmm Wow. So it's actually a job of adolescence. And once you talk about it in terms of development and a task, you start to think a bit more clearly about what is happening here. It's not something we're supposed to be trying to hold our kids back from, you know, they mustn't do it, they mustn't do it. It's no, actually more it's process, about then, this is, this is yeah. they will become sexual human beings mm. at some point. So we, this is part of adolescence. Mm. And we, as parents, need to think of it as, okay, it's going to happen at some point. We need to have conversations about yeah. it. So let's quick because hard. children, as you know, have sexual feelings. Quite young yeah. children yes. within their own bodies, and and they there's a kind of an awakening, isn't there? There's kind of little mm-hmm. feelings that that we as a society can find a bit uncomfortable because we think, oh, it's children. But yeah, it's a it's a really long process, and then it Absolutely. becomes relational as they get older. Absolutely, yeah, great point. And um, just quick hard lines. So. I looked at the guidelines for healthcare professionals dealing with underage sex in Oxfordshire. That's one of the counties in England. And it's a procedures manual. And they said that um, the clear guide is under 13, regardless of whether they are showing sexual interest, they are legally deemed incapable of consenting and therefore is a potential criminal or child protection matter. Mm. Yeah. Why aren't they ready why Why do we have this in place? What's really interesting is I've admitted before on this program that before the age of 10, I was quite sexual. Mm. Looking back, that's what it was. But yeah. at the time, I didn't consider it to be anything. Mm. It certainly wasn't intercourse or anything like no. that, but it was very experimental. And it was fun. It was with a boy down my road. And I just had the best time. But I did <laughs> know in my mind somewhere that if we were caught doing this, it might be shameful. Mm. So I think we have this in us, but also I think the reason it didn't feel remotely uncomfortable or bad was because he was the same age as me with the same amount of experience, which is zero, and it was just explorative. Mm, That's interesting. So we'll come back to that because I think this matters. Another clear guide is over 16 and under the age of 18, you're not deemed able to give consent if the sexual activity is with an adult in a position of trust or a family member. So that's another one of these clear guidelines that they give. That's an age difference thing, isn't it? So why are we holding the back? Cross-sectional research has found that adolescents who have engaged in sexual intercourse are more likely than adults, adolescents who have not to be depressed and to have attempted suicide. And wow. that early that initiating kind of... female adolescents are especially at risk. Yeah, that's interesting statistics, isn't it? And that, I immediately go, yeah, but what's the context and what right. else yeah, is going sure. on but absolutely what wow. else is going on what, yeah. what else is going on pregnancy fears um you, you know 
girls who get pregnant young, they have much higher health risks. Yeah. The babies are born small, yeah. the, you know, deaths, yeah. all those things. And then there's also the sexual transmission of infections, STIs. And younger, the younger you are, the less likely you are to be aware of what the symptoms are and to report yeah. them and get help. Yeah. And I think also, you know, I mean, it's it's really a fascinating subject, really, isn't it? Where we think, because it's really uncomfortable to think of what we would deem as children to be having sexual intercourse. That feels really uncomfortable and mm. really like a taboo, doesn't it? For, for all the reasons that it is. Um, and I love the way you explained it at the beginning, the idea that it's a process. Yes. You know, sexualization is a process and there's so much in it, isn't there? It's like, it's not just a physical act. It's, it's, um, it's a really beautiful engagement with another human being. It's like, it's, it's, really beautiful and there's so many feelings and so many it's it's big um it's not just a fl a button you flick oh great i'm 16 i can go and shag someone <laughs> it's i love it's, it's huge yes. it's, it's big it's it's relational it's it's um there's respect there's love there's care there's tenderness there's all of those really beautiful qualities within it it's not just sex no and that's i love that you're saying that because absolutely that's the situation mm. so that's why you don't just have one conversation about mm. sexual health for example and then think you've done it mm. because it's about so many more things than that mm. i found a fascinating um study in the british medical journal of sexual and reproductive health which questioned nearly three thousand people between the ages of 17 and 24 about their first sexual experiences and they use the World Health Organization standards. It's called, are you sexually competent? It's this, this is the kind of guideline. Are you so, sexually competent? Yeah, is, 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 how do you know that someone's sexually competent? Because this, this okay. matters because if someone's below the age of 16, yeah. it, this happens, sex happens. Yeah, and, so, and kids that age, we know we have our own. They're so different. Like yes. you can have a 14-year-old who's super mature and super developed physically and emotionally and spiritually and all the different elements and you can have a 14 year old who looks you know who looks and acts like an 11 year old they're so different so different so important the contraceptive use is the most important one well actually you know the most important thing is consent but it's contraceptive use are they using birth control of some sort and a person who isn't willing and prepared to use contraception during sex is not mature enough to have sex no they're very clear about that mm. autonomy are they having sex because they truly want to do it or are they doing it because of peer pressure or drunkenness? Mm. And that's the number two. I'm going to put these all in a little um, blog yeah. on my site so that you can actually see, mm. come back to these things if you that's want to go through one, them. isn't it? Because like they might not even know. Like, <laughs> What do you mean? Well, curiosity, all sorts of other things mm. play into it, don't mm. they? Yes. Well, yeah. but I mean, curiosity is a valid reason yeah. for wanting to yeah. do it. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, consent, very crucial one. Really Did both parties important. verbally and physically agree to have sex? If not, neither party was ready. Uh, one person was forced into it. And that is so important now. That's become more important for, you know, good reason. Um, mm. That there's the backlash of it being non-consensual is, is really, really big mm. and really can potentially super damaging for all parties involved. Yeah. And we're becoming very aware. I think you have talked to a lot of parents and parents of boys who've said, this yes. makes me very concerned because I d I'm not sure how safe and comfortable my son should feel. Yes. And yes. the conversation around it has become known for girls and boys and it's bandied about a bit and it's really damaging. 
Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. really important. And then the right timing they used as well, which is participants reported whether they personally felt like they'd picked the appropriate time. More women than men in this research felt their first sexual experience did not happen at the right time. Mm. 40% versus 27% respectively. And uh, that was the most commonly reported negative feature of right. the first time sex, that they felt that they just hadn't picked the right time. Okay. What, it was too early or it doesn't I say? I don't know. No. It doesn't say. So the 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 most important thing if we parents looking at this going okay that's all very well but what's the situation what are we supposed to be looking at yeah because it's all very well to yeah. have a whole load of <laughs> so, so detached now you know, guidelines i wanted to give you some background to where why, why, why are we where we are so power imbalances mm. right this is one of the most important yes. things to look out for and to have conversations about with yes. your teenagers that's a really good way of approaching it yeah and they can be difference in size different in age difference in development and you know any of this stuff mm. it, uh, knowledge sexual knowledge so yeah. this lady who contacted us i look right right away right from the start i look at that and i say okay you've got a young girl i don't she didn't explain how how knowledgeable this girl mm. is but she gave me the impression that she's not necessarily that experienced mm. who started dating a boy who's very sexually experienced yes. and has been since 14 and is impulsive so that's to me, she's already given, yeah. yes, she's given me some really big red flags yeah. there. And how smart to, to be going, ah. Yes, yeah, right. brilliant. Um, that would worry me too. Yes. And, or if they're in a position of trust, like a teacher yeah. or somebody who, yeah. who they shouldn't be, uh, you know, that's a big issue. So I asked in the poll, is it different for boys and girls? And only one person said yes. Mm. What do you think? I don't know. My, my, I've got two boys and one girl and they're very different as all our kids are. Um, they're in very different stages of life and different stages socially. Um, yeah, I don't think it's clear cut. I think it is different for them. Um, but I think it's also not always as you might assume. Yeah. So there is, there's been sort of instances with uh, boys and maybe friends of, of my boys as well where, you know, maybe the girl has the power imbalance has been that the girl is more keen or more interested or, um, and maybe, I don't know, I'm just speculating, <laughs> maybe it's, I don't know, harder for a boy to, to have the role where they don't want to um, or they get pushed um, because traditionally it's the other way around. I don't know. There is a there That's is a, an element of yes, you know, peer pressure. Which way does it go? And and what's normal? What's traditional? Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's very individual and very. I think it is different tricky. for boys and girls, and, and boys I, don't necessarily talk about it in the same way. In um, that same way, yes, so they'll talk about friends, sex, but they won't. And yes. Maybe also at home, it's a bit more like, oh, mom, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> um, whereas a girl will also find it awkward. Possibly, I mean, it depends on your relationship, doesn't it? But um, there's more of an openness and more of an understanding because, you mm. know, and it comes back to the old chestnut of the girl can get pregnant and the boy can't. In my opinion, it, it is different. Mm. And pretending it's not different won't make it go away. I think the similarity, <laughs> no, exactly that. The similarity is, you know, if you look at it from, are you ready to have a sexual um, relationship? Then they both are equal. Are you, are you mature enough? Are you ready? Are you loving? Are you respectful? Are you, you know, how do you view it? Are you, all of those things, they're absolutely equal. 
Um, yes. And I'm glad you mentioned about the relationship because mm. the ones that were found to be a problem were ones where they were in an unstable relationship mm. or not a proper relationship. Yeah, and because that that's be different. Difficult. Yes. So it's yes. different. Is it is it a relational thing that you, you know, you're really feeling feelings for another person mm. similar to your own age? Or is it, are you drunk at a party? That's a really different situation. Yes. And and mentioning that, I mean, um, I know a friend of my daughter was at a party drunk and mm. a guy was trying trying it on with her and yeah. she said no um, mm. and he went and told everybody that she was um you know a prude oh gosh, and what a mess. i love what you said because i think it's important for us not to assume either that the boy is pushing for it or that the girl isn't yeah no it's i think go, we absolutely really have to go. have yes and and the, the reason way. also that's important is one lady I spoke to said that there was a really difficult situation that her kids found themselves in. There was a party. A girl was seen out in the garden on top of a boy having sex with him. Mm. And later she called rape. And mm. when this woman discovered what had happened, she actually contacted the girl and said, I just want to have a conversation with you about this. It's okay to feel sexual. It's mm -hmm. okay to to have those emotions. And 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 having had a really warm, loving conversation with this woman, she backed down on what yes. she was saying. Now I hope that she wasn't <laughs> but it, it it did in all intents and purposes yeah. look like she was actually willingly consenting to that. And that's the problem is the shame that yes. girls can be can feel in feeling sexual can also yes. make this a very difficult, yes. fraught situation, which then yeah. ends up going the wrong way. Yeah, and that's so damaging. And I think the word shame is really key in the whole topic. Um, I think we are very shameful about sex as a culture. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a bit, you know, there's still, you know, oh, it's naughty. It's shouldn't be doing it. Oh, mm. you know, kind of giggling, giggling sort of culture behind it, and which kids we all you know pick up on very very early so the the whole conversation around sex is 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 not ideal <laughs> and i think it's really really problematic because our kids are now living in an environment that's highly sexualized we can't get away from it even if your kids don't have access to pornography via their devices it's it's infusing mm our sexual culture and we have to be honest about that yeah and i think we as parents can and however awkward it is yeah <laughs> kind of try and readdress the balance because the pornography that they're watching which they are watching i'm sorry to break it to you mm -hmm. um is really sexualized it's graphic it's violent some of it it's it's not it's not it's not loving sex no um and we can go in and, and you know try and readdress the balance a little bit you know sow those seeds that actually do you know what sex in a loving relationship does not look like that sex is really beautiful and it's a really important part of a relationship and let's celebrate that and be um you know have that conversation and uh, but to, to try and kind of point out that that's a massive contrast and um you know you can do one without the other yeah, yeah, such an important point. And just to put it into context, so people genuinely understand how far we've come away from this sense that it's about love. Mm. A, a, a Labour MP, Labour is one of our parties, stood up in the Houses of Parliament during a discussion about online safety and suggested that in our sex education, we should be teaching teenagers how to strangle safely um, because his one of his relations had died of auto-asphyxiation oh, at the age of 15, yeah. trying this out. Um, this is what some teens are being exposed to, a mm. lot of teens. Uh, strangulation is being used a lot in pornography mm. and it's bleeding into our culture. 
we need to know this and we need to tell our teenagers, first of all, it's not an act of love or no. or, or anything that they should be trying. It's Russian roulette. People yeah. die yeah. and people can get brain damage from yeah. that behavior. So we need to be really... It's hard because yeah. some people feel very uncomfortable about having these conversations. Yeah, but it's and your really kids important. aren't going to go, oh, yay, mum, let's talk about <laughs> let's porn. Talk what about a great that. idea. Have a cup of tea. Yeah. They're not. They're going to squirm and think you're horrible mm. for doing it or whatever they think. But, but you yeah, need that need context. Yeah. And another woman who contacted me off the back of the survey that I put up on Instagram said that she had moved from a very simple, lovely school to a highly sexualized uh, secondary school, which shocked her. She didn't really understand where all these people were coming from. And um, by 14, 15, they were all having sex. Mm. And so she was, that was normalized. And she said she ended up having two sexual relationships young and uh, which she consented to, but because she was under pressure. And she said she actually thought there was something wrong with her because she didn't mm. really like it. Mm. And it wasn't until she was uh, after 16, 17 years old that she actually had a relationship with someone she loved and thought, oh, oh, this is, I like this. Mm. And that's the point. Yeah. The, the point is we don't, we want our kids to understand that just because, because, because one of the really important things is the environment they're living in. Mm. So we create some of the environment, but so does the school that they're in. So if the school is like that, we need to be weighing in more yeah. definitely yeah. with how they can counteract that with their words and their thoughts. Yeah. Right? And we, yeah. And as as all the topics we discuss, we need to also have a, a really good think about what do we really think about mm. the subject? Because I think it's a really fearful one and it's the one we panic about mm. and rightly or wrongly, you know, people have been having sex underage for a long time it's not a new thing yeah yeah <laughs> so maybe we don't need to panic or maybe we do i don't know but maybe we we definitely need to as in all topics really have a think what what are my values in this yes. what do i think is the right way to be what do i think is important in the sexual relationship or in any of it before we can kind of even address it with our kids and have that Exactly. Be thinking that before you have to have that conversation with your teenager, because just saying no or just letting it slide and thinking it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Neither is a good answer. And as we discussed in the other the other podcast we did about 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 sex, um, often our teenagers are going to do what they're going to do. So as in other topics as well, a hard no is pro possibly, probably mm. not going to stop it's it. It's not going to know, exactly. It's not going to stop <laughs> They're it. They're just going to do it somewhere dangerous yes. or yes. have less information about it. So it's more of an advisory, suggestive, nudging, yeah. you know, giving them facts that they might not like or that, that might actually shock them or whatever, you know, whatever your values are and your feelings are on it, but to give them advice. is And, really and not assuming that they understand. You need no. to explain this stuff quite clearly. Yeah. You know, that survey I talked about in the British Medical Journal, 22% mm. of women and 36% of the men who'd had sex for the first time at a fairly young age, between 13 and 14, were deemed sexually competent by the scale that they used in this, right? right? So this is the point. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I don't know, like quarter, over quarter, mm -hmm. third. Gosh. Right? So we, we so don't panic if, if this is sudden, this is happening in your mm. world, but you need to be really realistic about yeah. what they should be looking out yeah. for and, wh and where the problems are. Um, and you can be quite clear. I mean, I kind of have had that experience as well. You can be quite clear about what you think is is you should be acceptable yes. and what is not acceptable um 
Because just with smoking, yeah. alcohol, vaping, all those yeah. things, the more clear you are about what you think, the more likely your teenager is to do what you would rather they did or yeah. to do less of exactly. what you'd rather they didn't. Exactly. But it, do it in a way that you're, where you're explaining yourself, not just, yeah. you know, ruling with an iron rod. Yeah. Um, why did why did kids not do it? I mean, there was a survey in 20, it's old, but a survey in 2011 uh, said the top reason for both sexes not engaging in young sex mm -hmm. was religion and morals. Right. Then concern about possible pregnancy and not having the right person. Okay. So, you know. Uh, I think I read somewhere, I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> all those things. Um, the the biggest, one of the biggest deterrents in in teenage pregnancy or or even having sex was, um, I think it's in the States where they sometimes give um, teenage girls a baby doll to take home and take care of. And it wheeze and... I don't know what else. I think they need to give that to the boys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know actually. I I know very little about it. So maybe they already do. <laughs> yes, they should. And you know, they had deterrent. to feed the baby in the night. You had to get up, and they were like, "I do not want a child." You know, it really hammered the yes. message home. I think it's brilliant. Yes, I think it's actually. I feel sorry for my bonus daughters because they saw my two being born best contraception ever and they both said to me oh <laughs> that doesn't look good <laughs> so so really what we're trying to do is we're trying to help our adolescents recognize all the aspects of sexual development mm. and say to them you know i'm not saying you're not ready what i'm saying is have you thought about this have you considered this yeah. do you know what this would have what happens to you further down the yeah. line and the thing about um early sex and stis is that we, I, what I didn't know before I read about this was that um, your immune system continues developing through puberty. So the sooner, the earlier you have sex and are exposed to any of these STIs, the more likely they are to turn into something horrible, oh, including cancer. Yeah. So that's why they give yeah. the, the inoculation at 13. Yeah. Just what you, what you said at the beginning of that bit was, I, I would be happy actually to say, I don't think you're ready, like really yeah. clear cut. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think you're ready. For these reasons. Yeah. For these reasons. Um, and one of the, a lovely lady who listens to this podcast said she told her daughter, the first time you have sex, you will remember it for the rest of your life. That person is going to be back there in the back of your mind. Mm. Make sure it's good. <laughs> Make sure it's not somebody you think, oh, no, that was awful, right? So I, I like that. It's a really good yeah. one. And also don't tell girls that the first time they have sex, it's going to hurt. It's a wrong message. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Um, so if you are a parent and you've, uh, you're dealing with this, signs that they are having sex. Um, so as soon as they start dating or if they're not dating, but they're starting to have behavior where you think, oh, I don't know, they probably are. OK, they probably <laughs> are going down that path. So you need to get in there. So start talking about this well before they start dating. You are within your rights to limit their access to a partner. So you are within your rights to say, to put in curfews, to restrict, you know, but know that if you do that, then they may just find other places to do these things. But you can, you, you can, lots of parents make them keep the doors open. Yeah. If they, you know, another <laughs> friend of mine said that um, her daughter had brought a boy home and uh, she said, oh, he's lovely. What a lovely boy. But, you know, he walked through the door and I said, hello, darling. So I'm I'm her mother. And I'm just saying to you, this ground downstairs, this is our downstairs. You see those stairs? You're never going up there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that was her response. Yeah. So you can do, you do you. 
Yeah. And you discuss it with your teenagers yeah. so they know. And, that, and the key of all of it is everything we talk about is your relationship with your kid yeah. and the conversations you have about it. Yes. So um, things I read are that are signs your teenager is starting to have sex. One of the first things they said was that their kids weren't sleeping properly. They're not eating properly. They're much moodier. Um, they uh, become obsessed, ob- obsessive about the person. Um, you know, and this is a problem because actually, we're, again, because we know that the prefrontal cortex isn't developed, you know, the younger they are, the more likely they are to be completely swayed by a relationship yes. and a sexual relationship and, and not know the sorts of feelings that they may be exposed to yeah. because they may not realise that those feelings really exist yeah, and, and that they'll be brought on. Exactly that, because they they see it and we all, I'm sure, did saw it as a, as a physical act, but it's so much bigger than so that. So much bigger, which can, is what you said you earlier. Know, knock them sideways. Yes. So, uh, you know, I hope this has helped. You are within your rights to try and uh, create boundaries and to, but but explain them. Explain yeah. to them why this is so important, what the problems are long term. I Right earlier on, I said that girls who initiate sex younger are more likely to have these problems than boys, but all teenagers who initiate sex younger are more likely to have emotional problems. Yeah. However, the research, more recent research has said as they get older, that tends to drop off. So even if they've done it early and then they've had a real problem with it, they can't, it, it, they manage to get through it, right. the majority of them. So, yeah. so don't panic if it's happened no. and you think, how no. are we ever going to get r- no. through this? And maybe also have a, have a sort of a little look and a little listen at uh, how do you generally approach the whole topic of sex yeah. like, if you're in a relationship? Not that we sit and talk about sex at dinner, but, yeah. you know, how what's your attitude to it? Because they're picking up on all of it. And you're that's, so right. That's so important because there's so, in, in our culture, there's so much potential shame and, you know, this sort of quasi-Victorian, ooh, ooh, sex, ooh, you know, shouldn't, mm. shouldn't be doing that. That's, you know, smutty kind of stuff. And mm. I, I think it's really damaging. I completely agree. I think we need more sex. Yeah, but in a beautiful way, (laughs) in a a beautiful, beautiful loving way. It's really natural. You know, and the kissing and the hugging and the just, you know, if you don't have a partner or you don't have a good relationship with them, it's harder. But but even talking about what you would consider to be a good relationship and how you would love to see, you know, you don't have to be overly romantic. You can just talk about how it's, I mean, I was having a conversation with my daughter last night about where she'd put a boundary in place with me and said, you know, mom, I don't like you doing this. And I said, mm. okay, oh, that's, thank you. I really yeah. appreciate you saying that yeah. because now I can see that it's upsetting you. Yeah. That's fine. And and then I said to her, just so you know, this is the sort of conversation you should be able to have with anybody, including when you get a boyfriend. Yeah. If you can't have these sorts of conversations, then there's that's not a great relationship. No, and that's really important tying that to consent, yes, isn't it? The exactly. Around so you it. can take the conversations you have about your own relationship and say, by the way, if you don't feel comfortable having these sorts of conversations with somebody, you might not be ready for sex. Yeah, and get them used to they can say something to you and you mm. say fine or you say no or you say yes, yes. that it's that's a normal part of life. Yes. It's yeah. So we're building a community with our podcast. So what's more important is that we approach these subjects with understanding and information and, and rather than judgment, right? Mm. So if this he- episode has helped you, then why not help other parents? Tell your friends, tell the school, subscribe to our podcast, and it would be a massive bonus if you left a review. Yes, please. Yes, always, <laughs> always happy to see them. Um, you can also sign up to receive all the latest at our own website, which is www.teenagersuntangled.com, where there's a blog, reviews, links to every episode and easy 
ways to contact us. Susie has her own website, which is www.mindful-life.co.uk. Amazing stuff on there. She also puts stuff on Instagram and lots of really great little tips so that you can just you know, see one thing, practice it that week. You can contact her. She can talk to you about the way she can conduct therapy. Yep. You can do a free chat if you want. Free chat. Um, you can sign up. Yes, sign up, sign up. <laughs> um, we're also on social media, as I said, you know, Instagram, Facebook. I'm better at Instagram. I find Facebook really clunky and I'm terrible on it. So I'm sorry if you're on Facebook <laughs> waiting for me to talk because I'm just really bad at it. Anyway, next time we're going to talk about conflict resolution, which is a really important skill for our teens and all of us. Mm. Now, that's it. Anything else, Susie? No, I think that's everything for now. Bye for now. Bye for now.